Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the 5571 Podcast. My name is Danny, and for those that are new here, welcome to the podcast. For those that are returning, also welcome. Great to have you back. On this podcast episode, we're talking all about the latest Disneyland and theme park news, as well as some horror news coming out of Midsummer Screen for the upcoming haunt season. So, quite a few things to talk about on this episode, so let's go ahead and get right into it. But first, I also wanted to mention for those that are new, I also have a YouTube channel called Just Ask Danny. So if you aren't following me there as well, make sure to do that, subscribe to that channel, and you can get pretty much a visual representation of all the Disneyland updates that I go over on this podcast. And a few other updates too. I'll definitely be posting my escapades on there and any updates that I do during the haunt season as well. So very relevant to the topics that we're going to be covering today as well. So let's get started. So first up in the news, we're going to head over to Disneyland Resort, more specifically the hotels of the Disneyland Resort. And if you've listened to this podcast before or watched videos on my YouTube channel, you know I like to cover a lot of the hotels of the Disneyland Resort. And more specifically, recently, we've been talking a lot about Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel, which is currently in the process of becoming Disney's Pixar Place Hotel. And we got a little bit of an announcement from Disneyland, not necessarily an announcement, but sort of like a release, um, if you could say, on um, when the pool deck and pool area that they teased not that long ago, specifically from um, the Disneyland president's Instagram page, which um, is Ken Potrock, of course, all the new things that were coming to the pool deck, um, the activities area, the new pool bar, um, and water play area, all for Disney's Pixar Place Hotel, um, and we had an opening date announced for that finally. We knew it was coming later this year, according to that post, but didn't have a date, and now we do. So as of the time this podcast is posted, um, it will already have been open, and that is um, August 1st. So any guests that have any stays coming up at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel, since it hasn't officially changed its name yet, um, you'll be able to access the brand new pool deck. So all the guests that have been staying at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel for the time being have been able to utilize either Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa's pool or the Disneyland Hotel's pool. Now, that is a nice little perk, especially if you're paying less to stay at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel and then being able to kind of go from one pool to the other, depending on which day. I think I saw a TikTok of, of Lucky Guest that was able to do that because um, that's not certainly something that you normally can do. So if you're staying at one of the Disneyland Resort hotels, um, there is no pool hopping. Now, of course, you could probably um, you know, ask to see a pool area or I guess the one way around that would be if you booked a cabana at one of those pool areas, it does grant you access to that pool area. So that's a way around it as well, too, if you are insistent about hopping. But now that Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel has its pool deck all reopened again, um, there won't be the opportunity to just default to be hopping to another hotel's pool. So, um, But not to worry, because from what we've seen today, the pool deck area is amazing at Disney's Pixar Place Hotel or Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. 
Now, when we saw the post originally from Disneyland president Ken Potrock's Instagram account, uh, we saw a lot of really cool concept artwork of um, just how they were going to incorporate Pixar into this space. Now, um, before, if you remember Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel's um, previous pool deck, it wasn't all that great. Uh, There was a lot of open, unused space that was really just for pool chairs and kind of layout chairs, a pretty un nondescript, uh, unimportant pool deck, really. Just tan in color, a really plain pool, although it always had a really cool slide, California stream in, um, and with vague California themes, of course, uh, that paid homage to Disney's Paradise Pier, um, which is a land that now no longer exists in Disney California Adventure. So really, the theme didn't really make sense anymore. Um, a couple fans of the existing pool bar that was there called the Sandbar um, are going to miss the old bar. And of course, um, California Streamin' had a lot of uh, fans as well, too, who enjoyed the original theme and kind of fun play on the name um, of that original pool slide at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. But all that aside, the changes that have come to this new pool deck are really just what this hotel needed and what a lot of guests were asking for. Now, if you'd stayed at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel before, one thing that was missing that a lot of guests really did want was day cabanas or cabana rentals. And this is something that's available um, over at Disney's Grand California Hotel and Spa and the Disneyland Hotel. In fact, some guests who aren't staying at those two hotels that are staying at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel would be book cabanas at these other hotels just because it was something they really wanted for their pool day. So now um, Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel or Disney's Pixar Place Hotel is going to be offering cabanas just like those other hotels with very similar amenities like places to sit, of course your own space, you have a TV, a place to lock up your goods, some included amenities. Um, It's looking like from what I saw posted online that they're going to be priced starting at $4.25. And if it's following a similar model to what they have at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and the Disneyland Hotel, you're picking one of two shifts for the day or you're picking um, a full day cabana. So um, I'm not sure if the 425 is for the full day or if it's for one of the two shifts where it splits it in half, Um, but those are available now for guests, which we do like to see because it was something that wasn't there before and is there now. And really, there was so much open space at this pool deck before. Um, It's not like they really took anything away. They didn't take away additional seating. There's still plenty of regular free seating that's just first come first serve available on the pool deck. In addition to cabanas though, Disney's Pixar Place Hotel is going to have a really cool new option that maybe don't want to buy a full cabana, but maybe sort of like a small day cabana or a poolside chair that's a little bit more plussed up. And they had two options for these um, that debuted today with the new poolside uh, deck area. One of them's kind of like a round bed that has a foldable um, awning that goes over it. So think of like a, you know, a new modern day children's stroller where the little awning kind of folds over it. Um, Very similar concept, but it's a round bed with pillows. Um, It does come with a little couple side tables on each side, 
like I mentioned, a few pillows, the awning that you can pull over to shade yourself from the sun, and it looks like a few, a few towels and maybe some other amenities in a little basket. Now these, I believe, start just over $100, I think at like $135 for the day. Um, and again, I'm not sure if that's a half-day rental or a full-day rental. Um, but in addition to that round bed one with a kind of rollover awning, there was another option that was just sort of like if you took two full-sized lounge chairs with padding on them and like connected them together in the middle. So it sort of made something that looks like a queen-size bed or maybe a full bed um, with basically um, a, a bed like padding on each side, pillows in between, inside of a large kind of what looks like a four poster bed frame um, with shades that roll down on either side. So um, you can kind of be completely enclosed in your little mesh netting. Uh, and these are all great options for people that want to, you know, maybe come to the pool later in the day. They're not looking to get at the pool the moment that it opens so they can grab a seat for the family, claim it on with a towel and, you know, come back later to, you know, and switch out and shifts until it's actually time for them wanting to go to the pool to get the spot that they want. And this can be something that happens on a busy day at a Disneyland Resort hotel pool. It's, you know, chair space is really hard to come by. So um, options like these are really great for guests that want to, you know, have kids and they have um, a lot of people in their family and they want to be able to rent two of these side by side and not have to worry about, um, you know, strolling down to the pool just after lunchtime and getting a nice spot right next to all the activities. So these are great options. Of course, everything else on the pool deck is just free first come first serve for your normal chairs and umbrellas that are all out over the place. Um, but it's nice that they have different variations of sort of like cabanas that you can get. So what we see is like a traditional cabana, the other two hotels is available, and then these two new options as well um, for guests that maybe don't want to spend all the money for a full cabana. Maybe their party size isn't big enough, it's just two of them, something like that. So a really cool option. We also saw a brand new spa or you know jacuzzi um, being debuted in this area. Of course, a brand new renovated pool. Um, and then a bunch of Pixar artwork and the majority of the theme that we saw on the pool deck was for, um, Luca as well as Finding Nemo and Finding Nemo, of course, was the theme for the new water play area. And we mentioned earlier, the California stream and slide. Well, that slide is now crushes surf and slide. And that's over in the new, newly called area that's now named Nemo's Cove. So the water play area and slide is called Nemo's Cove. Really great new theming. Um, Hank is the centerpiece of all the theming, uh, at least in, in the water play area. And then, of course, the big main attraction is Crush's Surf and Slide. Now, the fun thing about this slide is it is pretty big. It's one of the bigger ones on Disneyland Resort Hotels. This slide doesn't dump into a pool, so it's a little bit easier for younger kids to go down the slide because you're just kind of ending in a small little shallow, like... Um, ending spot of the slide itself so you're not actually having to swim at all and I know a lot of the pools that just dump or the slides that dump into the pool like say at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel maybe some of the younger kids um, don't feel confident in going down this and being able to you know dump into the deep end of a pool or have to swim afterwards so this is a better option for younger kids uh, and it is themed to seem to really gear towards that audience uh, in general 
And it looks like they've got a lot of seating, not only around the new water play area and slide, but over by the jacuzzi and also over by the pool itself around the cabanas. So, um, but this isn't just the pool deck. This is an activities deck too. So it goes beyond the pool area into um, another space that's really colorful next to what we talked about earlier, the sandbar. The new bar is also open and available. At least it was being posted as such online. They have a lot of new um, seating all around it, whether it was lounge seating, tables, etc. But more exciting options that they have are the very right-hand side is a brand new place to watch the fireworks on the pool deck. Now, guests always watched the fireworks on this pool deck. That's not anything new. They pumped the music up there. It was definitely something that the front desk told you was an available amenity for guests staying at this hotel. But it wasn't really ever like a designated space or something that was all that um, enticing. It was kind of all the guests at the hotel cramming along the wall and the upper half of that deck there, um, you know, getting their spot up against the wall to look ahead and watch the fireworks over in towards Disneyland. But now it's more now a designated space. There's benches, tables, and even a cozy fireplace to sit there while you're watching the fireworks. Um, and it seems like there's a lot more room to accommodate more people than just everyone kind of cramming up against the wall. So I definitely think this is a much better option. And overall, it's a huge win for, I think, this space. Some people have kind of been poo-pooing the whole renovation of Disney's Pixar or Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel into Disney's Pixar Place Hotel, but I think everything they've done has been super creative and super unique. Um, this hotel was really dated. It was made when Disney's California Adventure first opened in 2001, um, and the hotel prior to that was much, much older. Um, it goes way beyond that. Um, it had, you know, multiple owners that were not Disney. Um, and then when Disney acquired the hotel, they sort of put a light theming over the hotel to make it Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel and match it to, you know, meet the land that it was looking into, which was Disney's Paradise Pier over in Disney California Adventure Park. So, um, the, the theming of it was pretty dated, a lot of brass, a lot of light-colored wood, something you'd expect in like the 80s, 90s, um, and really there were a few updates over the years, but not too many, um, and the hotel really didn't have any sort of like overarching Disney theme. Um, you know, I don't really know why people would get up in arms about it <laughs> as far as being changed. I feel like now they've incorporated much more theme than it ever has had, uh, including some really creative ways to throw the theming in by hiding it into a more modern design, uh, making it a little bit less obvious. We're seeing that uh, in a few spaces on this pool deck with um, two of the umbrellas um, in the dining space being themed to the blue umbrella Pixar short with the red and the blue umbrella and having the little faces on that. Um, but in addition to that, there's little fire pits in the dining spaces over by the new pool bar. And they are also themed to different Pixar characters that feature fire. So, of course, we have one for Ember, another one from the volcano, um, from Disney's Pixar Lava Short. 
Uh, there was another one for Anger, of course, from Inside Out. And then another one for Jack-Jack, who, as we know, uh, could turn into like a human torch <laughs> coming from his head. So very creative ways to incorporate the Disney theme, but still keep it modern and keep it something that um, feels very vibrant and young for the audience at Disney's kind of really reaching for this hotel, not only with this type of design, but with offerings like the Great Maple Restaurant that are coming soon in the lobby. Um, you can tell Disney's really reaching for a different type of audience with this hotel, a different type of family, um, and it's probably something they're trying out uh, and something totally unique to Disneyland Resort that you really just don't see at Walt Disney World Resort. And it makes sense. It's a lot more of a California-style hotel, something you might see in L.A., something you might see in different parts of Orange County. Um, there's no sense in, you know, trying to make this into like a Walt Disney World Resort Hotel because it's not like that, right? It's not, um, it never was like that. It's a traditional tower style hotel, something you find in California and LA. So um, they went totally different with it. And I think everything they've done so far has been really great. Um, and I can't wait to see, you know, more and more as they reveal some of the room construction that's going on. Now, from what we know so far, it seems like a lot of the construction is probably not happening when they wanted it. Um, if you've been staying at the hotel, right, a lot of the floors are still available in the old theme. They still have the old carpets in the hallways. And, you know, logic would say with Disneyland Hotel opening its new Discovery Tower on September 28th. We're only about a month away from that. And um, with Disney finishing the pool deck so early, you would think this would be the capstone on the end of that hotel, just waiting for those finishing touches in the lobby, um, like the statues and the artwork that have yet to come. Um, but it seems like maybe room renovation hasn't completed in a timely fashion as they wanted it to. Um, so we might see a little bit more of a delay on when this hotel actually changes names and rebrands to Disney's Pixar Place Hotel. So for the time being, even though now a majority of the hotel's theme seems to really be Pixar, obviously in the new pool deck space and a lot of the common areas, um, until we see everything completed, I don't think they're going to adopt the new name for this hotel. So it's still going to be in a little bit of a confused state known as Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel uh, and not changing names until everything is complete. But um, what we're seeing so far, as far as the color scheme of the hotel, um, the new pool deck and activities area, the new pool bar, all of that looks really, really good. Now, for the time being today, at the time of this um you know, recording and what we saw today debuting, all those prices and things um, that we mentioned for the cabanas and the little day cabanas, um, those weren't actively renting yet. Um, and I don't know when they're actually going to start doing that. So if you have an upcoming stay at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel and this is interesting to you, um, you might want to check with reservations or maybe call the hotel in advance to see if they're able to tell you a day when they're going to start doing um, some of the rentals for these different um, amenities. Because at the time of this recording, all of those amenities and, and cabanas that are normally going to cost a lot of money were all just free. They were all free to guests first come, first serve, at least for now, until they're able to um, actually rent them out. So if you are staying there right now, you might have the opportunity to stay in one of the $400 cabanas for free. So 
Definitely take advantage of that. But um, we've spent a lot of time now talking about Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. We could go on forever talking about it, but I wanted to highlight um, some of that stuff. And and if you want to see visual representations of this, I didn't actually get to see it and record it in a video over the weekend because it hadn't debuted yet. But feel free to head on over to Twitter, um, or I guess now it's called The X, or just X. Um, but uh, feel free to head on over there. Um, username GrandFlowStan, at GrandFlowStan. Uh, Johnny was actually there on opening day and he did a full Twitter thread with videos and photos about all the different things you can find and see that are available on the new pool deck at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel, all the little hidden details. So go check it out, get a visual representation of what we're talking about. It's really, really awesome. Some other news popped up actually at the time I was recording this podcast, so it was something I had to add in during this part of the segment. This is also for hotels at the Disneyland Resort, and this is for the Disneyland Hotel. Now, as you know, we're not that far off now, just a little bit um, over a month away um, from opening the new Discovery Tower. Um, but, you know, ever since the parks closed and the hotels simultaneously closed with them during the pandemic, when the hotels reopened, a lot of things just weren't available right away. Um, room service only recently became available for a really long time. It wasn't available to guests after the hotel reopened. Um, daily housekeeping service wasn't a thing at first. A lot of things have changed as the hotels have opened. One thing that never reopened, though, was the Steakhouse 55 restaurant. And a lot of people thought that this restaurant would reopen, considering that Walt Disney World opened their own version of I guess, a sister restaurant of this location called Steakhouse 71. So they had a restaurant called The Wave Restaurant. It was an American restaurant and um, was actually pretty good, I would say, for breakfast especially. Um, but they closed that restaurant and renamed it and redid the whole theme to Steakhouse 71. They even offered a... Um, similar dessert, you know, the, the, the multi-layer chocolate cake that Steakhouse 55 was known for. Um, and of course, Steakhouse 71 is a play on when Walt Disney World first opened, 1971. Steakhouse 55, a play on when Disneyland first opened, 1955. It's actually the namesake of this podcast that you're listening to, the 5571 podcast, Disneyland, Disney World. So um, we all thought, right, that the Steakhouse 55 restaurant, even though it didn't reopen after the pandemic and still hasn't reopened, we thought, hey, the sign's still there. Um, they reopened the lounge area in front of the restaurant just for seating for a lot of guests that maybe were waiting for their reservation over at Goofy's Kitchen. We thought, hey, this restaurant will eventually find its way back to Disneyland Hotel. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case anymore. Um, so reporter Scott Gustin posted on Twitter after receiving an update from Disney saying that um, the Disneyland Hotel basically has confirmed that Steakhouse 55 will not be reopening and that the lounge space in front of the restaurant would be turned into a new flexible lounge space that would sometimes operate as an extension of a seasonal bar. So I'm thinking maybe something along the lines of what we see over at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa, which has been truly, really successful for them. The thing that sells drinks and snacks in the lobby um, for different holidays. Um, 
Maybe they're looking to make a similar concept here with a a newly themed bar, not only for Halloween, but for Christmas and beyond as the different holidays, you know, unfold throughout the different years. So um, at this time, they confirmed they don't have any plans back or plans to bring back, excuse me, Steakhouse 55. And that work is being done immediately to not only remove the marquee, but prepare that lounge area to be a more like blank canvas um, for a flexible space. Um, This is a little sad, right? Steakhouse 55 is... um, a beloved restaurant for a lot of people over at the Disneyland Hotel. It isn't the original restaurant, right, that opened at the Disneyland Hotel. Um, It used to be called Granville Steakhouse. Um, That was then transformed into Steakhouse 55. So, um, but Steakhouse 55 had a lot of fans because the the restaurant was themed to like Walt Disney's kind of lounge, right? There was pictures of Walt Disney and different celebrities all over the restaurant, Um, And it really just had that kind of old-fashioned vibe. Not only that, it also played host to a somewhat new offering at Disneyland um, starting in, I think, like 2016, 17, or 18. I'm not sure exactly what year it started, but they started doing high tea, uh, having a high tea or tea times that were themed to different holidays, to different events like Mother's Day, um, available at this restaurant that you could book. Um, They had different packages for like baby and ones that included champagne. It was a really popular option. It always sold out immediately. Um, And, you know, people really looked forward to those, especially the themed holiday ones. Um, And now there's not going to be a restaurant that hosts those anymore. Maybe that's something they'll continue to offer in the lounge space of Steakhouse 55, but that's yet to be seen on how Disney's actually going to utilize this space. Not only that, but Disneyland Hotel you know, now that the pandemic is over and a lot more groups are doing their traveling and convention spaces as they were before, um, the Disneyland Hotel actually has a pretty big convention space and it does play host to a lot of conventions and competitions throughout the year. Um, and Steakhouse 55 was a really great dining option for guests that were maybe visiting for a convention and don't plan on visiting the theme park. So there wasn't too many dining options available for these guests if they were just going to downtown Disney. Now, I know Downtown Disney's in its own renovation right now, getting a lot better options for different guests like convention guests that might be visiting the different hotels. Um, But as of right now, it was nice having a signature restaurant on property, especially at a AAA Four Diamond Resort like the Disneyland Hotel. Now, the Disneyland Hotel doesn't have a signature dining restaurant. They only have Goofy's Kitchen and then the quick service locations and, of course, Trader Sam's and Chanit Tiki Bar. All great options, of course, but not a signature dining restaurant option. Um, And truly, no sit-down option for breakfast unless you want to do buffet at Goofy's Kitchen. Um, So... It is consideration if you are booking the Disneyland Hotel and that's important to you. Maybe the Grand Californian Hotel is a better option or maybe something off property like the Westin Resort is um, a better option for you as well. But I wanted to talk about this here because we had definitely been speculating a lot about this restaurant reopening, especially since we had seen movement on it in recent days, movement behind the bar in that lounge space right before the restaurant. But unfortunately, it seems like this restaurant has fallen victim to maybe low staffing or just maybe not budgeted, right? They're, they don't really want to 
flex the budget to reopen this restaurant, maybe it's not worth it to them. So as of right now, they have no plans to bring back Steakhouse 55. And then of course, the space in front of it, that lounge space, will be used as a flexible lounge space. Now, I'm really curious to see how this space is used, um, and especially since it's going to be used as sort of a seasonal bar. So is this holiday theming? Will we see some awesome holiday Halloween theming coming for um, the Halloween season coming up? That could be a huge draw and really the win that Disney wanted for this space. So we'll have to wait and see. I don't want to poo-poo it all yet, right? I don't want to slam it down and say it's a bad idea because we haven't seen how they're going to use the seasonal bar space yet. So um, let's hold let's hold all of our judgment until we are able to experience that. But it is sad, however, that um, we probably will never see Steakhouse 55 come back, at least in its original form. Next up for the news, I want to head on over to Disneyland Park to talk about this really important and sort of controversial topic that happened over the week, and that is for Disneyland Park adding and introducing new alcohol options um, for different sit-down restaurants inside Disneyland Park. Now, alcohol is no stranger to Disney California Adventure Park, but it is since very much been absent at Disneyland, and this stems back to an original request or want from Walt Disney where he didn't want alcohol served inside Disneyland Park. But this was a rule or sort of unknown rule put into place a really long time ago when Disneyland first opened. Um, And they've since added some alcoholic beverages to different locations very successfully. Of course, if you have any private events that happen inside Disneyland Park, alcoholic beverages are always available in those instances. But you can also get alcohol if you're dining at um, Club 33 restaurant, if you're one of the few that get to go there. Um, Also, 21 Royal Dining Experience, that has alcohol available too. Um, And then more recently, they started adding um, alcoholic beverages for the Blue Bayou restaurant over in New Orleans Square. Um, They had not only pre-mixed cocktails, so it's not being made on the spot, um, but also beer and wine available. Uh, And they did something similar to this over at the Magic Kingdom, Um, in Walt Disney World, where they introduced um, some beer, wine, and pre-made specialty cocktails at their table service restaurants. Now, the rule hasn't changed completely for Disneyland, where you can just go get a beer and walk around the park. That's still specific to Disney California Adventure. This is just for guests that are choosing to sit down at a restaurant and with their nice meal, wanting to have a sort of specialty cocktail or a wine and a beer. This is not people walking around all over the park with the cocktail or, like I said, a glass of wine or a glass of beer. For right now, that's still only at Disney California Adventure Park or at select locations in downtown Disney. Uh, This is just going to be for um, Steakhouse, or excuse me, Steakhouse. We were just talking about Steakhouse. Carnation Cafe on Main Street, the Riverbell Terrace over in Adventureland slash Frontierland, and then Cafe Orleans, which is right outside the Blue Bayou restaurant. Now, these three... um, table service dining restaurants will be introducing um, wine, beer, and specialty cocktails available at dinner time or at lunchtime uh, or potentially even breakfast depending on the location. Um, these are, um, I guess, again, limited to these locations. You won't be able to enjoy these alcoholic beverages to go. It's going to be something that has to be consumed 
um, with your meal inside the restaurant. So something that they're going to be trying out. This is all beginning on September 12th at the Disneyland Resort. Um, so if you have any upcoming dining reservations or any trips planned for Disneyland, um, this could be a change that you can try. You can have yourself a nice um, glass of wine, a glass of beer with your dinner at these locations. I'm more interested in seeing what kind of specialty cocktails they're going to come up with for these locations. You know, Carnation Cafe has deep history at Disneyland, um, very closely tied to Walt Disney himself. So trying to see what, what Walt inspired drinks they might have for this location. Um, Riverbell Terrace has that, you know, really Southern on the water type of vibe to it. And then Cafe Orleans, um, maybe offering something similar to what we might see over um, in Blue Bayou. Don't forget, they're not that far off either from the mint julep bar where you get um, non-alcoholic mint juleps and beignets, which will be debuting soon, of course, again with Tiana's Palace restaurant. But mint juleps are traditionally alcoholic, so maybe they offer a alcoholic mint julep over at Cafe Orleans. It's still to be seen, right? We haven't seen these new menus just quite yet as far as in person. We got a little bit of an idea about them. Um, now, they did mention when they talked about the new release that um, they would have a Bloody Mary available as an option and some mimosa options for breakfast over at Ca Carnation Cafe. They were going to have a peach pie margarita and orange cream soda uh, for other meal times. Um, and a few other options too. So that kind of gives you an idea. They're using highly themed drinks for the specific location that sort of match the menu. So I'm excited to try a lot of these and see kind of what it's all about. We'll have to make our rounds through the different table service restaurants to sample these out and um, see how they taste. Now, another bit of news that happened over the weekend was Midsummer Scream, which is a horror convention um, that happens every year over in the Long Beach Convention Center. And this particular convention um, is usually a place where we get some information or announcements from theme parks about their horror events like Six Flags, Knott's Berry Farm, and Universal Studios for all of their upcoming Halloween events. Um, and this weekend didn't disappoint. We got some announcements from all the different theme parks, um, some a little bit more than others, um, but let's go ahead and get into it. And a lot of the information I'm getting about these announcements since I wasn't there come from like Five Fires, YouTube, Mondo, of course, you guys all know, um, Theme Park Duo Podcast on Twitter. They also have their own podcast. Super awesome. Go check them out. Mouse Vibes, Ordinary Adventures, all of them have videos, podcasts, whatever, covering everything that happened in detail this weekend, um, either out already or coming out soon. So definitely make sure you check out all their content from Midsummer Scream. Um, I definitely will be checking out all that because I need to get a recap since I wasn't there. Uh, but you can get a lot of really great visual representation of what we're talking about today. Um, just briefly going over some of the announcements. But if you want more detail and, of course, pictures and videos of what was announced, definitely go check out all their content. First up on the weekend, Saturday started off with announcements from Knott's Berry Farm about their upcoming Knott's Scary Farm starting in September, and this year is supposed to be a year remembered. 1973 was the first year of Knott's Scary Farm, and 2023 marks the 50th year of Knott's Scary Farm. Knott's teased that this would be a massive event 
for this major milestone of their most popular time of year at Knott's Berry Farm. Um, and with that, they did announce a few things during the, the uh, Midsummer Scream convention, uh, one of those being a, f- a brand new, for the first time, fully immersive retail experience, sort of like a, a, a tribute store, like you've seen over at HHN Orlando. This will be available for all guests, even guests who aren't attending the Not Scary Farm event, because it's going to be available in the Emporium store, which is in the marketplace outside of Knott's Berry Farm. So sort of like in Knott's Berry Farm's downtown Disney, outside of their theme park, they have a store called the Emporium, which was really just a large amalgam of all sorts of different knickknacks you could get, not only that were themed to Knott's Berry Farm, but just in general. Um, But the store has since been cleared out to make way um, for a brand new, highly, like I said, fully immersive retail experience for Knott's Scary Farm's 50th anniversary. Now, because this is outside Knott's Berry Farm, during the day, any guest can access this. But once the Knott's Scary Farm event has started for the evening, the store will be closed and will only be accessible from inside the park for guests visiting Scary Farm. So it's going to be a little bit of a dual-use space, a really, really unique way to use this location and make something like a large tribute store to really give the 50th anniversary the space and and really immersive experience they want to provide, right? We've seen a sort of tribute store for Not Scary Farm in the past at places like the, um, the, I think it's called the studio store or I forget exactly the name of it, but it's called the, it's the store at the exit of the Berry Tales attraction. During Scary Farm, it does, it has been in the past transformed into what they called the Bizarre Bazaar. And this was a sort of tribute store with artwork and all the, of course, merchandise you could get for Scary Farm for that year's event. The shirt that had all the mazes on it, maybe shirts that featured different new mazes that year, etc. So that was the location. Then sometimes we saw it pop across the street over to Cordy's Corner and a large portion of that store being utilized. But really not as much space as they have over at the Emporium. So the fact that they're dedicating that entire store for just not um, Scary Farms tribute store, I guess you could say, it's really going to be a unique, one-of-a-kind experience. I'm really looking forward to this when I go, and I'm really happy that I have a Knott's Scary Farm Pass this year to really take in all the details. But in addition to that, Knott's also showed us some concept artwork, um, which I'm looking at now as I record this podcast on Theme Park Duo's podcast Twitter account. So that's at Theme Park Duo. They have um, a picture of the concept art from the convention that was announced. Um, But there's always a really great elaborate display when you first walk into Knott's Berry Farm right underneath the little water wheel there. Um, and this year they're going to have a really great 50th tribute right there, um, for Not Scary Farm. We have a little bit of a concept art. The concept I'm seeing looks amazing. It features different signage from Not Scary Farm throughout the years when it used to be called Halloween Haunt. Now, you know, then changing its name to Scary Farm. So like, it's sort of like a blast from the past and different variations all you know, paying tribute to the 50 years of this this event that people love. Um, they also showed us some really great new merchandise opportunities that are coming, merchandise pieces that are coming for the 50th anniversary of this event. So 
if you are a fan of Not Scary Farm and you're coming to this year's event, um, you might want to make room for some souvenirs because there's going to be a lot of really great stuff, including a 50th anniversary spirit jersey. Um, and Not Scary Farm has been doing spirit jerseys lately for like their boysenberry festival and for past scary farms but this one specifically says 50 years on it and it looks really really cool definitely got the halloween vibes it's orange and black so it does glow in the dark too so fun little thing on that there's a lounge fly coming um you know for the 50th anniversary it's sort of like a gravestone there's they've got tiki mugs coming all sorts of things uh, there's a version of monopoly coming for scary farm lots of different things now unfortunately not scary farm didn't give us any announcements for new mazes coming we know we're to expect at least two to three mazes coming maybe some new scare zones um, but they didn't share any of that at this one however what they did share was that a very beloved announcement event would be coming back to Knott's Berry Farm. And that's, for those that remember, um, Knott's would normally have an announcement event in the, I guess at the time, it was called like the Charlie Brown Theater. Now it's the Walter Knott Theater. Or no, it was the Charles Schultz Theater. Now it's the Walter Knott Theater, um, which is the big theater in Knott's Berry Farm. That's where they used to house the announcement event. And it was something that was free. Um, and it was something that was available to, um, you know, invited media guests and season pass holders. Um, they were both given the opportunity. It was a really cool event that you could go to to sit with the creative teams behind Not Scary Farm and get a peek at to what was coming for this year's Scary Farm um, with the reveal of the new mazes and confirmation of which mazes would be returning as well as, you know, some in-depth look at some of those new mazes, including some really great performances um, about the storyline of those new mazes as well, since all of Knott's mazes are typically original storylines that are not based off of an existing IP, um, so they really get creative here. Um, and this announcement event was truly one of my favorite things at Knott's Berry Farm when getting ready for Scary Farm. Um, but, of course, during the pandemic, when, you know, gathering inside indoors in a theater was not really the best thing and not something that they could do even, um, they had to stop this event. And uh, they were doing more traditional announcements, maybe online, like on Twitter and other social media um, spaces. But um, they did announce this year that that announcement event would be returning. However, it would be coming back in a little bit of a different way. It'd be a much bigger event this time, not held inside the Walter Knott Theater, but being held outside at the kind of ghost town stage um, and having select attractions be available after hours during this special event, maybe even food offerings. And unfortunately this time, it won't be for free. It's going to be a ticketed event. And at the time of the recording of this podcast, I hate to tell you, but tickets have already sold out. So you're going to, if you didn't already, you're not listening to this podcast, having already gotten your ticket, um, you're going to be just listening to a podcast like this or watching Twitter to see what the announcements were once they do come out. Um, but the announcement event is going to be held on August 24th at 7 p.m., so the park will be closing early that day. And they'll be hosting a special event in the park to unveil everything that's happening for the 50th anniversary of Not Scary Farm. I honestly cannot wait for Not Scary Farm this year. Like I said, I'm so happy that I have a pass 
to go back and experience it over and over again this season and really just take in the 50th anniversary. But I'm even more excited to see how they're going to roll out a brand new version of the announcement event um, and see if it is worth that $20 (laughs) that they are charging. Um, I think with the availability of um, a larger kind of display and attractions like Ghost Rider and, um, and, and maybe other Ghost Town attractions, I think it might be worth the 20 bucks. Later on in the weekend on Sunday, we had Universal Studios announce their announcements for Halloween Horror Nights. Of course, we already know things like Chucky are going to be at Halloween Horror Nights this year. We also know that Stranger Things 4 is coming to Halloween Horror Nights this year. But um, we wanted to know kind of what the original plans were for the some of the original themes rather, um, for the mazes coming this year to Halloween Horror Nights. And Universal did share one of those at the Midsummer Scream event, and that was for a new maze based off of Latin American um, monsters. And the maze is called Monstruos, the Monsters of Latin America. And there's a lot of folklore... Um, really scary monsters and basically they kind of went over the different monsters and like their regions and where they come from um, including you know part of the speculation of this maze as it was being built um, we all thought or a lot of people had speculated that the maze would solely be about La Lechuza which is a Mexican folklore like ancient tale of a witch that turns into an owl um, it's really scary. Eats, you know, eats people. Just a horrific-looking monster. Um, and we, you know, based on the facade of the maze being somewhat, you know, Latin Mexican-looking, people had assumed that, uh, or maybe some details had leaked to someone. The entire maze was thought to be just for La Lechuza, but in fact, it features a ton of monsters from all different parts of Latin America. But La Lechuza will be one of those monsters. And they actually did show concept of how they're going to incorporate um, La Lechuza in the maze, including a huge La Lechuza's lair with a massive animated figure of La Lechuza herself um, eating people. So it looked pretty um, pretty gruesome. And it's, it's really tall. It's like over six feet tall. Um, so it's going to be an impressive thing for sure. Uh, there's also going to be another monster called uh, Silbon, uh, El Silbon, El uh, which like eats people's ripping out their spines and eats like their spines. I don't know. Pretty terrifying. Lots of different monsters coming to this maze, but that was one of the mazes they confirmed um, for the maze. And this is going to be the maze over in the Parisian courtyard. So. This is the maze that typically doubles up and backs into a scare zone. So this is the maze where you go into it, and then when you're done with the maze, you dump out right into a scare zone area. Um, And last year, this maze was the La Llorona maze. Um, So this year, it's going to be the same concept. The maze is going to be dumping out into um, another scare zone, also with a Latin theme. This one's called El Terror de las Momias, which is like mummies. So um, we can expect like classic mummies in this location, a really fun space to kind of dump into. Um, I always love the concept of this maze here that uses this space. Um, So I'm really excited to see that one. So we now have that confirmed as well, too. 
uh, they showed us some concepts of the different uh, mo monsters that we would see in this space, and it looks pretty crazy. Um, they did sort of tease a little bit um, by showing us um, what kind of looked like a character um, or a monster from the Bugs Maze, potentially, that we had over in Orlando. Um, and then they kind of like, you know, played fun at it, saying like it wasn't supposed to have been up there. Um, people were saying online that this potentially might be the theme of the Terror Tram this year. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. They did also confirm um, Universal Monsters, which always has a maze every single year. And this year, the theme for the Universal Monsters maze is going to be Unmasked. Um, and this is kind of going over um, different characters, you know, that essentially would be unmasked in the Universal Monsters universe. So like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, um, we the Phantom of the Opera, things like that. So a lot of different uh, really scary concepts, actually, for this maze. I, when I first heard the concept, I was like, how are they going to do that? Uh, but then when we saw the artwork of it. It's like, man, it looks terrifying, especially Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, um, you know, this is potentially another really scary maze to add to the really awesome lineup they already have at Halloween Horror Nights. So I'm excited um, to see kind of how they bring all these to life. Like I mentioned, we already know a lot of the things that are coming to Universal Studios Hollywood, like Stranger Things 4, which was highly anticipated, coming to, um, you know, hopefully coming to Universal's Halloween Horror Nights, and now it finally is. So we're going to see Vecna and however else they want to implement season four of Stranger Things. And then, of course, Chucky. We also have The Last of Us, which is another popular video game and now TV show. Um, so add all those on top of all this event, um, plus some other mazes too we haven't heard yet. So it's going to be um, quite the event. You know, Halloween Horror Nights is always one of the most hotly anticipated events. And Not Scary Farm's really going to try to compete for some of that this year because it's their big 50th year. So um, I, I expect both events are really going to just drop everything, right? They're going to put out all, drop all the stops for everyone, put out the best event to really bring in the crowds. Um, and I, I expect Knott's Berry Farm to really step it up, um, to really compete with Halloween Horror Nights. You know, they've got the big intellectual properties behind them, like Stranger Things, Last of Us, all the Universal Monsters, which we all know and are all scared of. So... Um, I'm excited. I always love Halloween Horror Nights and Not Scary Farm events, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they're implemented. I'm going to be at all these events on day one. We'll talk about it. I'll probably have stuff on my YouTube channel about it, so um, make sure you're subscribed, like I mentioned earlier, to the YouTube channel so you can see all of that coming, as well as if you have booked tickets for Oogie Boogie Bash, totally something different. Um, I made a couple years ago, a couple events ago, um, a guide on how to do Oogie Boogie Bash the best way on my YouTube channel. Um, it's in the Disneyland Resort podcast, but you can also just search Just Ask Danny, like Oogie Boogie Bash, and it'll come up. So if this is your first year going to Oogie Boogie Bash and you want to get some tips on how to do it the best or what you can expect from going to the events. I have a really great video that breaks it all down, so definitely go check that out. Um, and there's always Disneyland updates being posted on the channel every week. 
Um, apologies for this episode coming out a little bit late, a day later than normal. Um, I actually had it ready to go on Tuesday morning, um, but of course we got some additional news, aka the the Pixar Place Hotel. So I kind of redid the the layout of some of the news. I sort of omitted some of the things I talked about, but in addition to that. I had a huge technical glitch and the sound was me- really messed up and it was like 10 minutes of mess up and I felt like that wouldn't have been, it wasn't something I could save in post editing and it um, it would have probably irritated a lot of you guys to listen to for at least 10 minutes. So I had to delay the podcast today to re-record this segment, but it was like a blessing in disguise because it gave me the opportunity to talk about all the things that unfolded today for Disney's Pixar Place Hotel. So thanks for your patience on that one. If you're wondering where it was, that's where it was. But normally this podcast comes out every Tuesday and that remains unchanged unless there's some sort of incident like there was this time. (laughs) Um, And then as far as the YouTube videos, typically it's a new video each week, um, sometimes more than one a week, depending on what's actually happening. Um, So make sure you're subscribed for that. And you can also find me on Twitter or X, whatever it's called these days, um, as Just Ask Danny, and also on Threads now, Just Ask Danny there too, and Instagram, Just Ask Danny as well. So thank you again so much for listening to this podcast episode. If you're new, like I mentioned, welcome. Hope you stick around for future episodes. Um, Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And we'll see you real soon in the next one. Thanks again.